Pretty All right. Good. We're live, actually, by the way. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. I'm Brian Solis. We are the CRM players coming to you live from San Fran. Oh, wait a minute. We're not. Uh, no. Live from Los. Well, oh, no. no, we're not there either. either. Orlando, no. no. Orlando, no. Right. <laughs> Along with Chicago, no. And anyway, <laughs> I was supposed to be in Portland today. Oh, oh wow. Well, we were supposed to be in San, San, Francisco. San Francisco as well. That's yes. right. But as everybody knows, uh, we're all kind of sitting at our own individual homesteads. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're grounded and not by our parents. <laughs> no, that would actually be, I would have welcomed that actually compared to what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, true. But as we all know, uh, this is uh, kind of the age of Corona and not the Corona that I grew up with. Uh, it's uh, it's the virus. So get used to this, I think, folks, for, for quite some time because all of the events over the next month, at least for me, They've been canceled or moved to online events. So, what do you guys? Uh, pretty much the same thing for you guys. Yeah. So, Brian, what what's uh, what's been grounded for you so far? Yeah. Well, aside from the stuff that affects us as analysts, uh, part of my work is also a speaker, and that has had a massive hit uh, in the last in the last week, especially. Uh, so, for example, we were supposed to be in San Francisco, and my digital twin was going to uh, <laughs> show up in Portland for a few hours and then come back to San Francisco. But uh, I got I got a notice last week that the event was postponed. Uh, I was supposed to be in Abu Dhabi next week, and that has been indefinitely postponed. Uh, those wow. borders were shut down. Uh, and then this, a series of events going as far out as June uh, that I was supposed to speak at uh, have been uh, postponed or canceled. So this, it's been, uh, let, let's just say that I'm having some conversations at home. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, well, so we've lost what? The Salesforce Analyst Summit. We've yep. lost, um, what was the next? Oracle one? MBX. Oracle MBX MCX. Adobe mm -hmm. Experience Cloud Summit. Um, Zoholics. Pegaworld. Adobe. Oh, you said you did yeah, say no, Adobe, I think right? That's okay. it so far for those yeah. five. Like you, Brian, I had a combination of a couple of things that are none of those. None of those actually impacted me a lot when it came to like you know income, but um, one of them did, but not too much. Not a killer. Um, that said, other things are starting to hit me that way a little bit. You know, it, it's nothing dramatic and killer at this point, but um, it's there, you know, and, and how many other conferences have been canceled that when none of us are even attending? I mean, it's been astounding. I heard uh, just on the news a little earlier today, over 50 big conferences with attendance that was expected to be around 940,000 uh, folks total. Wow. Well, one... And one uh, half of that could be South by Southwest. <laughs> right. Yeah. The, the biggest of all of them that was canceled, that one. Sure. Well, the Mobile World Congress one, that, right. that was, oh. what, 250,000, 300,000 people, something like that. Was that the first of the big conferences to uh I to think cancel? that was the first that I remember here, yeah. Wow. 
Wow, this is such a cheery serum play. <laughs> <laughs> well, what else, what else is bad with you guys? <laughs> I'm I'm going to cancel my uh, dinner at Chipotle uh, a little later today, and <laughs> that's actually potentially a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, on a, on, a, on a side note, I went to to uh, to buy some champagne uh, to kind of you know, toast with my wife that I'd be home all week. Uh, and when I went to the store, I couldn't help but notice the empty shelves of toilet paper. Uh, right in the wow. store. I thought I, th- I if I'm going to stock up something, it's going to be champagne. No, <laughs> um, I that part, you know, to be honest, that that whole part, I don't actually get that too well. I mean, it's just panic. I mean, toilet paper, water. What's the water supply is not going under. There's nothing where it's like I got to, I was talking with someone about that today. I said this might as well be a giant snowstorm the way people are responding, <laughs> right? It's just they're responding with this this silly, silly I mean let's say useless really ultimately panic over things that don't need to be panicked about. I mean, the reality is, you know, uh let's put it this way. One, the water supply is not being disrupted by this. Um, two, um, diarrhea is not a main problem with this particular virus, right? So it's like, I may imagine some people have it, but, you know, but reality is not the biggest problem. And yet that's what people are stocking up on, right? The things that are related to dealing with that. And, and that's, that's a sign that they don't actually know much about what's going on at all, I suspect. And, you know, and I, I get it. You know, I do get that part. I mean, ultimately, you know, you only know what you hear when it comes to this because we don't have it, thank God. But, you know, but and but when you actually start looking at data, you know, there's, there's two kind of things. I, I Look, as, as left as I am, and thus don't blame the media for everything, in this case, I'm blaming the media for a lot of it, right? Uh, I have to say, they are not just, to be honest, they're not just like reporting things that make you panic. They're creating panic with the way they're operating. They're everything for spectacular stories, you know, uh, the death toll. I mean, you know, it was funny. I was looking at the distribution of the COVID-19 virus on some something today, or CDC or some major site, and it was like, 80% of the total is in China still, 80%, meaning we're not in an epidemic phase when there's 300 people who have it in the U.S. or less, or 500, 800, whatever it is. Um, you know, the second number, I think, was maybe may even been the U.S. No, it was Europe. I can't remember. Korea was second, I think, with like 880 or something like that, where China had 80,000 of the cases. So, you know, and, and theoretically, at least if you are going to believe the Chinese, which is a little hard to do, um, they're starting to contain it, right? So, you know, I, I I think that reason just really has to prevail in these circumstances. It's not hard to get a hold of enough reasonably good information to make judgments on doing things properly. Look, I get the conference shutdowns, but I don't get the fact that people don't even want to you know, unless for some reason you've been in contact with someone, there's no reason to self-quarantine, right? You can go out in the world and be okay as long as your community is not being ravaged by it or hit by it in any way. Go out, you know, right. and sunny days are sunny days. 
Hmm. You know, on that note, uh, somebody uh, in this session wrote an incredible article this 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 morning. Uh, about, Who is that? <laughs> about the, uh, World Health Organization. Yeah, bringing some thoughtfulness to to the topic, and uh, it was it was it was a soothing. Uh, I I told you Paul earlier that I, I heard your voice as I was reading it, and it it, it was uh, rather. Actually, was actually, yeah, that's because you had a headset on. I was yelling in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the things that I appreciated about the uh, article was the <clears throat> the reason. Uh, and the rationalization that you brought to to the conversation, you know, just getting us to think about it, uh, but also pointing us to some resources and uh, bringing up some parts of the conversation that you know, are, interestingly enough, uh, sort of holding up a mirror to ourselves of how we react to things and uh, how how we see things happening around us, and then how we sort of view ourselves in in the role. Uh, one of the things that I realize is that. Wow, I, I I didn't know that there was such a, a I mean I wash my hands I'm I, I've always I always has as, as a child uh, I used to wash my Hot Wheels before I played with them when I was a kid <laughs> and then my hands you know to make sure everything was clean but but even I had something to learn uh, when you go through uh, the World Health Organization sort of rhythmic practice of how to clean your hands uh, the best and so you know if nothing if nothing else you sort of learn this this opportunity for better hygiene, uh, but also better awareness. And then lastly, uh, what I walked away with from your article was uh, how, to, how to think differently about information uh, that we surround ourselves and not just around, you know, a disease, but also politics and, and news in general. Well, you know, I mean, look, one of the things that, that I mean, look, we have a, we have a, a long span of history as human beings. We really do. I mean, think about it. You know, we've been, let's say this, we've been around for a lot longer than 6,000 years. Uh, so, and we, as a species, we continue to keep growing. And, you know, each time we grow at some level, you know, we grow, let's say, either by a manifolds or incrementally, creates a whole set of problems that we have to deal with. And then we deal with it and then we're able to grow more. And then there are technological and other kinds of advances that allow us to grow more. And then that creates a new set of things that we have to take care of, which are problematic and we solve them. But historically, again, while, while there's no absolute guarantee in the world that you're going to solve every problem all the time, the reality is for the most part, human beings almost well have always solved their problems. The Black Death was considerably worse than this matter what happens right and yet here we are with a population that's what seven and a half billion now um we made it through that right and the reason we made it through it is because ultimately we figured out how to not just contain it but then eventually i don't want to cure it and then we began progressing again and building all the technologies we had to build and so on and so forth out in a way that allowed humans to flourish again. And if we keep doing this over and history tells you over and over again that human beings are creative, intelligent people, uh, good people who band together to solve problems over time that get solved. They always get solved. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here anymore. We literally would not be having a conversation if we had to come to a point in human history where we didn't solve a big problem. And we've done it. 
the interesting question to me and get your take on all of this is, you know, look, we, the tech industry has obviously been impacted pretty heavily on this one. And that's the world we're in, but so, you know, and probably more so than most, cause it's a, a travel heavy industry, at least at some levels of it. But what is, you know, one of the things that's become interesting is the fact that, you know, people are starting to do things from home remotely, et cetera, et cetera, on the future of work side, so to speak. And then on the other side of it, what are customers doing when they come into contact with the company, which is, you know, how do you see this playing out when it comes to, you know, both employees and customers and how we work in the future and how we're going to interact with our customers in the future and so on? I mean, does this change anything fundamentally? Does it amplify something? Does it regress to something? I mean, what happens? What do you guys see? Well, one one last thing about the article and then sort of use it as a segue to an answer then um, throw it out there for conversation is that I appreciated also the list of vendors that you put in the article that were offering in each of their own way solutions for this, whether it was around uh, employee uh, employee work uh, or and or, uh, you know, customer engagement at large. Right. I think it comes back to the hygiene part, which is. I don't know that there's a, a, a handbook that every employee within the organization was given on how, well, what are the best practices of working remotely or what are the best practices of working virtually? Uh, how do you build uh, camaraderie? How do you build teamwork? How do you stoke creativity and inspiration, uh, you know, on the other side of a screen? And the same could be true uh, for customer experience, right? I mean, even though, you know, outside of the, uh, the where we are uh, with COVID-19, uh, you know, we haven't really done a great job at humanizing all of this digitization. Uh, and I think this might be a, a blessing in disguise as a way to sort of reimagine what virtual engagement looks like to employee engagement and to customer engagement uh, so that we can kind of bring that uh, humanity out of uh, out of it all. What are you thinking, Brent? Oh, I'm looking at some of the uh, comments that have been coming in and uh Alan, our buddy Alan Bergson over at Freshworks. Uh, and well, actually, it's, it's a couple of folks here. Uh, Robert Levine. Uh, I hope I'm saying his name, last name. I've, I've known him for like a decade. L-A-V-I-G-N-E, for those of you who don't know. Right. And, you know, some folks don't feel like this is impacting them much at all because they've been working from home forever. And he says... Yeah, I've been working remotely for 10 years now, never been healthier in my life. And, you know, to a certain extent, like, you know, I don't go into an office every day. I mean, I, well, I walk from my bedroom to an office, short commute. Uh, I know, you know, you guys are the same unless you're out at a conference and that's pretty much or, you know, doing advisory work or speaking or whatever. So in some instances, you know, for folks who have been working from home for a while, this this doesn't seem to be as big a deal as to the larger population of people who do have to go to work and have, you know, kids that go to school and and things of that nature. So it's kind of it, sometimes it feels like it's easy to say, well, it's not a big deal because it's not affected me that much. But you got to take the broader perspective of this and, and say, no, this is this is a huge deal. When you see, you know, the travel industry basically imploding and, you know, you've got, I mean, I was at the airport um, flying home from Philly uh, to Atlanta and 
<laughs> it was, I could hear my own echo. I mean, it was, it was very much like I, I was expecting, uh, one of those tumbleweeds to come roaring by, you know, <laughs> it was like that. And, and, uh, you know, the flight was definitely not the traditional, almost full flight, if not full flight. Uh, so you, Delta and, and United and I guess the other airlines have already announced pretty significant cutbacks in terms of the number of flights they're offering, not just internationally, but domestically. And you, you look at like the hotel industry and, and even like these companies with these huge workforces who are saying, you know, work from home. Well, look at all those comp those businesses, those particularly the small businesses that you know are feeding those folks at lunchtime or you know when you're when you're working in in town and you can go and run errands and you're running errands with these local businesses so it, this is huge and of course we're not going to have to mention what's going on with the stock market mm -hmm. so although there's you know a few of us who don't feel it as much as everybody else you got to recognize that this is huge and it might be like this for a while. And there are probably going to be some uh, significant um, permanent kind of things that take place based on what's going on now. And that's, that's kind of the interesting part there too, which is sometimes out of the crises like these, you take a different approach and the approach kind of works. So you just keep doing it. Right. And I mean, for example, if you think about it, most of the, I don't want to call it creativity, but most of the change in direction is toward how to make something virtual. That's what's been going on with our world, right? So, for example, these conferences have been canceled, but like, say, the Salesforce Analyst Conference is postponed, but Adobe is canceled, and but Adobe is also doing a part of it online, right? Uh, Pegaworld has canceled the in live conference, but June 2nd will be an online conference. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of TBD. Oracle, the way they've handled it is they're co-locating uh, MBX, MCX with Open World in September. I mean, every company has a slightly different direction, but the interesting aspect is if you take it as a whole, you start looking and say, at least from, again, from the lens of the tech world, because that's the world we live in so much. Zoho has every employee of the company working remote. Salesforce has as many as humanly possible should work remote at least till the end of the month. Meaning work remote, be online, tends to be the way we've addressed the crisis, which is how you address you know, the equivalent of protecting yourself optimally by self-quarantining, which is what this really is to some extent, but still get things done. Now, the interesting question is, you know, what levels of productivity are going to occur? Is it a fair question? No, because the nerves over the actual um, over the actual coronavirus are enough to reduce pro productivity, even if you're doing it online. So you can't really fully take it into you know as a as a perfect example of how this works. But people may say, well, you know what, the amount of cost it saves us in a conference is enormous. The amount of, you lose something, obviously, when it's not in person. You lose a lot. But the way the world works is something, one of these things may emerge from that as something that becomes just practice as opposed to, you know, response in a crisis. And I, that's the part that's interesting. Look, I mean, you know, water purification came out, came out I mean, let's say an accelerated drive toward water, water purification came because of 
yellow fever, well, because of disease. Let's just say that, you know, disease is running rampant. Water purification became a life and death matter, escalated the technology and the evolution of that. I'm no expert in it. I just know a little of the history. But, um, but that's what I'm saying. Out of crisis comes results that have long-term beneficial impact potentially. Again, the one thing you can count on human beings for is that some level, and I'm saying this without uh, judgment, uh, creativity and and new ways of looking at things emerge. And it could be useful, good or bad, but they emerge, right? So, um, you know, I, that's the part that really I'm going to keep my eye on because I'm going to look for anomalies, I think, that might have some legs in it and see if there's anything that really will just grab hold. Yeah, I wonder if, how much of this is going to inspire a new a new generation of, of proactive leadership as well, right? So, for example, uh, Mark Benioff was was one of the uh, one of the voices encouraging. Uh, first, they started with their Washington office, uh, and then started to expand uh, sort of the idea of, of people working from home uh, for March, and that also seemed to stick uh, with other organizations promoting the same ideas. <clears throat> But I think about, you know, just taking a step back from the disease itself and just looking at information online and how connected we are and uh, how much uh, our news sources or information sources have changed, how much our sort of uh, first degree of networks have changed, especially since 2016. Uh, the, the digital trust or trust in a digital era, I should say, has become paramount. Uh, and I don't know. I, what I do see a lack of is leadership. Um, and I, I think it's sort of this opportunity. And look, it's not prescribed for any particular role to be that that leader. It's, it's open for anyone. Uh, I think, you know, for example, Paul, your article was super helpful. That's, you know, that's leadership in a time of, of just chaos. Uh, and sort of if you think about what people are constantly refreshing uh, you know, they're some of their tabs all day long as they're just looking for information that helps them feel better or at right. ease or some kind of direction or some kind of, you know, virtual hug, if you will. Uh, and in the <laughs> absence, in the absence of that leadership, we get, uh, we get a lot of things that aren't necessarily healthy or productive. Uh, and so it's not just the tools or the digital tools, but it's also the emotional and the intellectual leadership that I think is sort of necessary in times like this. Yeah. I, I would say even, <clears throat> In, in a different way, but definitely a form of leadership. And I think a form of, of needed leadership because there's always this human instinct for some to try to take as much advantage as possible of a bad situation. And so you saw on Amazon where all these third-party sellers are like marking up like Purell. It's, it's almost like it, it turned into gold overnight. And, you know, what was a five buck item is now like a hundred dollar item. And, and I think I saw where Amazon uh, some uh, delisted over 500,000 items from third-party sellers who were gouging people, uh, who basically taking advantage of the fear that you, know, you guys are talking about. And I thought that was, first of all, it was, it was necessary. It, it, and it's unfortunate that was necessary because all these folks are doing is making some short-term profits uh, that's going to cost them their business in the long term. Because right. who in their right mind is going to want to do business with folks who are going to gouge them at a time like this? And so when you have a company like Amazon who, hey, let's, you know, they get a lot of flack for stuff that they don't do right. But I thought that was really a big step because 
they're once again they're still looking out for customers, but they're also making sure that they you know they hold accountable these folks that are you know their partners, which is their third party sellers. And if if they if companies don't take those kind of steps, then where does that whole idea of trust where does it go? Because if you can't trust people when the chips are down, forget it. You can't trust them at any time. You know, to that point, too, is, you know, the, the funny thing about these kinds of crises are, I mean, aside from all the panic mongering and the, the gouging is, um, look, to your point, Brian, I mean, people want information to feel better. They want, but it also needs to be, of course, from that standpoint, information that helps them deal with what they're going through. It, meaning, it also has to be accurate enough so that it bears out in practice once they get it. And you know, when you're dealing with these these the price gouger types, you start realize, and then you see Amazon take an action like that, or you're dealing with. Facebook uh, are giving uh, World Health Organization unlimited ad credits so they can put out, you know, information throughout Facebook, given the platform. And at the same time, you know, starting to cut people out who are trying to do the bad. You realize and then you think about how often Facebook and Amazon are attacked by everybody and sometimes for good reason. Um, you realize how complex people and institutions are. Right. They're not that they're not black and white. Right. And, and in these situations, you know, the, the good side may show the bad side may show. But something that unexpected by the people who are kind of typing everybody into that black and white category uh, does show one way or the other. Like, I mean, you know, who's more reviled in this world than Facebook at this point when it comes to a tech company. Right. And yet they're doing all the right things now. And, but there's also misinterpretation. Like one of the things that struck me when I was putting together the article, and this really struck me weirdly, even though the guy was well-intentioned, Forbes did an article on Zoho offering their um, remotely, yeah. um, I think it's an 11 product, uh, 11 product remote work um, product, uh, a solution free to people till July 1st. And the way he described it really kind of irked me, even though I know he meant well. He said, Zoho sensing an opportunity. That was the way he put it. And he, and I realized, God, this guy does not, and he admires the company, but he doesn't understand that company in the slightest. Right? He, he sees it as a typical, well, you know, when then I'll upsell them when the time comes, July 1st, because people are going to be dependent. There's nothing to do with why Zoho did that. Zoho did it because they actually care about the species. You know, they care about people. They care about making it right. He should have said that he's sensing the opportunity to help. Yeah, and he didn't. And it's in the company. But but that comes back to your point you brought in, I guess, earlier in terms of the media's intention behind a lot of this information. Or in, you know, sometimes you jump on a story so quick to drive views and that you don't think about the deeper. You know, the deeper meaning of this, because actually that is part of the story, uh, that, you know, what you just said, Paul, which is what if what we spotlighted wasn't just about the ability to get access to technology that would allow you to work remotely and it's, it's free for the next few months, but that companies are taking a leadership position and standing in line with a purpose uh, that 
that matter. I think, you know, at the end of the day, like the, when we search for information and we're looking to feel better or get guidance or some, or find some ease or at least some peace or direction, what if we also aligned with organizations because there, there was purpose. Uh, and I think, I think this is all starting to kind of in their own weird ways, show us that there has to be more than all of the things that we run pretty fast and there has to be more than just features and speed and views and clicks and uh, market share that this is a society. And in many cases, a digital society that is sort of working uh, in these blurred lines between virtual and, and, and reality that comes back again to that leadership comes back to that humanity comes back to that sense of purpose. And uh, if we're going to share stories, let's share the, the, the story, take the time to find the, the in Zoho's case, the real, the real core of the story is a company that's actually trying to do good in the world. Yeah, and I mean, to me, that's that's the necessity. Look, we've got a medical problem here. We've got a worldwide medical problem, right, that we have to solve. Medicine's come a long way. It doesn't know it's a novel coronavirus because it's a new coronavirus, right? And and people don't know what it does, what it is, and they don't really have a handle on it yet. But guess what? I mean, we've got probably... I would, I, this is just a guess, but it's, I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty reasonable. Millions of people working on that very issue right now across the globe. And millions of people working together, even if they're not working physically together, but they're all working on a similar problem, typically come up with an answer of some kind. And it could be, look, it could be an answer that says, okay, well, we know this. I mean, what do we, if you read between the lines now, for example, you see a couple of interesting things. You see, like, it's, uh, they comp when it's being compared to a seasonal flu, as it currently stands, it's moving very, it, 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 uh, it expands very slowly. And the word they use over and over is very slowly. And again, what are we dealing with in the world? A hundred, hundred thousand plus cases when, you know, when you're dealing with seasonal flus and, or, you know, you're dealing with the epidemic or pandemic Spanish flu, uh, you know, you're dealing with tens of millions of cases. I think Spanish flu killed, what, 18 million people, much less hit, infected that many, way more. So, you know, this is this doesn't even approach that number yet. And it, I'm not saying it won't. I have no idea, of course. But with the all the indicators tell you that it's not moving very quickly, right, through anybody, and that it's containable. And if, if it's true that China's done that, they've that they've already at least begun to contain it, um, that's a positive sign, whether you like China or not, right? In other words, there are little hints of, of it in there that you can, you know, if you want, you can um, you can read, but you know, or you can infer. But you know, go to WHO, you go to CDC, you, you read what they're saying. You don't assume everything's a government conspiracy, and they're all lying, you know, for some reason. And you know, I, I mean, it's funny as left as I am, I even I remember I had a thought. I said, "Wow, you know, uh, important." any Trump supporters out there. But um, uh, I thought, wow, this is a good excuse for Trump to shut down borders, right? Uh, and it is actually a good excuse for him to shut down borders. And I, I just think the guy's kind of moronic about it, not that he's, you know, and he may even want to do that. But the thing is that that's not how this actually works, whether he wants to do that or not. What actually happens is that people solve problems, they test things out, and they accomplish something or don't. And if they don't, they discard that, they move on to a new thing. What we wanted, like, 
is to be done tomorrow because we're scared. You know, everyone's scared and hard to blame you. You know, I mean, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine who uh, um, was sick uh, about last week and checked right into a hospital to make sure that it wasn't this and it was a sinus infection, basically. So, you know, but you don't know. And that's the problem. Like, you know, like I know I had sniffles coming out of Oracle. Okay, I literally, my nose was running. And I was thinking, oh, no, do I have, I, well, I didn't think it that dramatic, I have to say. First thing I did is I went online and I said, what are the symptoms of the coronavirus? Luckily, sniffles wasn't one of them. <laughs> right? So I felt okay. But, um, but who knows, right? Again, we don't know. So what we need to do is be patient, take maximum care of ourselves, and this is the big one, right? And that is the big one, right? So... That's why there's a link on the article, uh, what happens when you wash your hands, okay? And it's a really good article on it. So read it and um, be patient, support who you can in doing it, work from home if that's the way it works. Don't be afraid, live your life, but it's like live your life with some caution about your health, which is what we're always, my parents told me that a long time ago, slightly different terms and probably half in Yiddish, but they told me that, right? So not, so, okay. As your, uh, as your uh, titular grandfather, uh, <laughs> please <laughs> take care of yourself, right? Please take care of yourself. You shouldn't be sick, right? You should He's coming from the grandfather of CRM. <laughs> grandfather. And the other thing is um, anyone who's interested at least from my standpoint, anyone who's interested, I have got a modified uh, COVID-19 modified hug that I've, I've developed so that you can still hug and be safe. Think of a giant fist bump without a chest bump. Okay, that's the only way to put it. The problem I have in, in you know, I still need human test testing. So we're not that far along in our effort. It might be another two to three months before we really <laughs> put it out to the population. My biggest problem is I'm home. I can't hug anybody. Well, <laughs> can't yeah. I can hug Yvonne, but there you go. You know, he's he's. Um, I need more than one subject. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Anybody yeah, that, that's actually going to be the biggest impact on uh, the CRM industry is the lack of hugging from Paul Greenberg. But you know. <laughs> that's that's the hard part for me. Is not no full no full hug. <laughs> I, I read that link too. I thought the the uh, I think it's a 2013 uh, the Huffington article. Post article. <laughs> yeah, with uh, with Vala and and the art of the hug. One of uh, the best. <laughs> so good. Yeah, for those who haven't read this article yet, you have to you have to read it. It's in, I actually uh, watched the video where we actually shot, this was the dopiest video I think I ever did. I'm literally sitting there going like this on the video, showing people how to hug by myself. I mean, I'm literally by myself. But I actually heard that he got that from Sun Tzu, who it was one of those parts that was cut out of the art of war. That's right. So, you know, we got to give credit where credit's due. All right. Let's let's talk about uh, some of the implications for for the industry here. Uh, uh, One of the immediate ones is, man, I hope these online events are better than previous online events have been because if you got a substitute face-to-face for online 
there could be a lot of stuff lost. And, you know, let's face it, the, the, when people are not in a physical location for two or three days, they still have multiple options for their attention to go a number of ways. So how how should CRM industry events, online events, change to make sure that they capture people's attention at least as much as it can be uh, when compared to when they're physically in one location and you have them right then and there? Well, I'll tell you one thing. Remember years ago when lithium used to do the lithosphere thing with like Michael Wu at the time when he was there and then some of us were on and so on. There was one, they were great. That was Sanjay Delakia's baby. I think it was even pre-Katie Kime. Um, but you know why they were great? It's because the one thing that I think Lithium truly understood back then was uh, online engagement was amped up, meaning it wasn't just speeches. It was interaction, and it was a lot of interaction. They were encouraging the audience to interact, and some of the speeches including mine, happened to have been taped in advance. But um, so I wasn't really going to respond directly to anybody. <laughs> but but we had a plan. So, for example, you know how they planned that one? I guaranteed them an hour online after my speech where I come back, you know, I get online and communicate with people. But while that was awkward, you know, to some degree, the reality was it was smart and it had engaged people because – it always had interaction. Look, for example, I mean, you think about Adobe. Adobe's taken the biggest risk of all of the online ones as far as so far, which is they're actually going to do keynotes online, four or five of them. And the strength of that is, and you know, kudos to Adobe to even make the effort to do it. The scary part is they're really easy to zone out of when you're not there, right? Now, they're doing snacks, too, which is going to be really interesting if they pull that mm -hmm. off. But, uh, but what would be the way to, for Adobe to handle it? Well, you know, yeah, make them keynotes, but shorten them and communicate with the audience who's listening as more of it than, I mean, you know what? The new guy, I don't even remember his name. The guy who's heading up Adobe uh, Experience Cloud, this new guy, actually, the new SVP. Yeah. I can't think of his name. Yeah. You know what? If he's one of the keynotes, and I don't know if he is. I don't know who the keynotes are. But if he's one of the keynotes, Give a 20-minute keynote and then talk to your audience and let them talk to you. Get to meet them. That's how you do it, man. You got to increase the you got to seriously amp up communication with the audience and I think you'll be able to maintain attention cuz you, you to your point Brent, you just do a keynote without a live audience not and not in person, you know, it's going to be real easy to get up and go eat lunch in the middle of it, right? So uh, you know what? And honestly, if it's not that good, that's exactly what I'll do. Uh, so, um, but it's not just me. I think it's with anyone. Just increase the level of communication. Don't treat it as if it's just a reproduction online of what it was. If you do that, you're dead. You're, you're just finished. You're, you're going to just depress people. Even if it was the best speech ever, because it doesn't have bodies. It doesn't have language that you can read in between right you know even if you can see it it's just flat on the screen right so that's that would be my thought anyway i think there's uh something especially ironic when adobe's talking about experience but any vendor uh, especially since the number of them hosting or shifting to virtual conferences is exponentially growing here as time goes on 
is to take that word to heart and experience is as we've discussed before an emotional reaction to a moment and especially if you are going right to the forum where most people in that forum are going to have multiple tabs open anyway uh, and multitasking plus you know this and everything else that could lead to a distraction or cause a distraction uh, you have to think about experience in a new paradigm and I, I use that word lightly but you know in a, in a, in a new venue where attention is already pulled away from you uh, and to make that uh, and it comes back to CRM and customer engagement in general or employee engagement is how do you break through that fourth wall that digital fourth wall and connect with somebody uh, in a very human and engaging way so formats part of it I think about I mean hopefully if you think about the the live TV reproductions of of, of plays and movies like for example Greece I think they just did recently and uh, the Little Mermaid and uh, they they change sort of that live portion of it to be uh, much more engaging for the the shorter attention span theater, as, as we call it, or uh, they show you what's happening behind the scenes so that you kind of get a feel like you're getting in there. And Paul, like you talked about, sort of creating opportunities to talk with with people outside of the presentation. And so it's, it's not replicating the live traditional conference. It's actually creating a live uh, digital experience that there is no real playbook yet. Uh, and so it's an opportunity to sort of create it as you go. Is our, and then, gentlemen, we now have our new business. Three of us. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. I, I'd say they should look at uh, esports. I think they should look at uh, what's going on with what what Netflix and Hulu is doing and Amazon. You know, people want to be a part. They don't just want to watch anymore. They really want to be a part. So they got to maybe they should start hiring some actual TV production. Like not just people who know how to run cameras, but people know how to tell stories effectively today and be able to incorporate that into what they do online. Because I'm telling you right now, if they just you remember, like, you know, enterprise software vendors wanted to chase the small business market. So they tried to dumb down their systems and and say, here it is for the small business and the small business people are like, what the hell is this? This is nothing that it's not at all what I'm looking for. They need to start thinking like that because if they really want this online thing to work and not just be, you know, something that they felt they had to do, which is going to if they go into it like that, it's going to be. I won't be watching all this stuff Let's no. go like that. And and, and there's going to be multiple online events too going on at the same time. Remember, there were weeks like like I think this. May 4th was going to be a week where there's like five things going on at the same time. Now you're going to do that same thing potentially, but it's all online. So you're really going to be fighting for people's attention. So, I mean, just think about this and not give yourself enough time to do it right. I don't, I don't want to just, Oh, we're going to fill that slot, that time slot with what we were going to do. If people were actually there and let's face it, it's not the same if you're not there in the environment, you know, as opposed to trying to listen to a keynote in my leisurely home where I could like, you know, have ESPN playing on one screen, and, you know, something else going on. They really have to think this through and get it right if they, if they want to keep people's attention. I'll put it this way to your point. 
this continues on to April and they're doing live events in April that conflict with the Yankee games. Right? <laughs> they're doing events that, uh, I mean, let me put it this way. I guess the best way to put this is one of my first thoughts uh, after uh, Oracle MBX MCX was canceled was, oh, I'll be home to watch the Yankees open it. <laughs> that was literally what I thought, and I'm not kidding. That's my first thought, right? So you want to do a digital event when there's a game on at the same time? You better do an awful lot to keep my attention because it's going to be real easy to flip channels, right, <laughs> to go from my PC and my webcam over to my TV set, which is bigger than my PC, <laughs> right, and watch that. So, and you know what? As much as I'm joking about it, I wouldn't, I'm not. So uh, you start. But if they do it right, yeah. I mean, look I mean, how we, we are a binge watching community, uh, you know, community right now. So if you if you give us something that we like, we're going to sit there and watch it hours at a time. Uh, Alan Burson said we should look into the works of Jeff Gomez and Transmedia, multi-platform engaged storytelling. I mean, uh, well, we don't have to look into it. if he talks about storytelling, we look into it. Well, we don't have to look into it. I'm, yeah, the vendors need to look into that stuff because they're the ones putting on these things. But I mean, we—the opportunity there is if you if you can tell, have a great story, and you know how to tell it, you can keep people's attention. Yeah. But if you go into it like, well, we're just going to transfer what we were going to do and put it here with no audience, no fanfare, no no ambiance, because none of that is going to be with me in my house when I'm watching it. I'm not going to be watching it for very long. <laughs> I mean, uh, one of the big telling ones for me is going to be see Adobe is kind of the one on the spot here. I think if I have to pick one of all of the ones, it's going to be Adobe is on the biggest spot because Adobe is the most cre historically been the most creative live. Last year was a little bit not as much as the year before, but uh, but you know if they just do some linear projection, you know, it's, that's going to be. It's also, for them, that's a failure of expectation at a lot of levels, right? So they're gonna, they are the ones with, uh, I'd love to say no pressure, but there's a lot of pressure on those. <laughs> right? So um, good luck, guys. We'll, we'll be watching, maybe. <laughs> All right, let me put, put you guys on the spot. Uh, so you're saying Adobe has the most to, to, to lose because uh, no. they're – not the most to lose. They have the most to, to show. Most to show. Okay. Yeah, the most to show. All right. So who do you think is going to do it right? Who do you think has the, has the right stuff to make this bad situation of canceling a, a long a face-to-face -face live event to do the online one right? And, and what we just kind of told what we think is going to be, you know, the necessary important ingredients. But who do you think can pull it off? I mean, this is this is going to be tough. Well, here's my problem with that is most of them haven't – only ones that have said they're doing online are Adobe and, and Pegasus so far. I mean, Oracle's pushing it out, and Zoho has no answer particularly. And uh, and Salesforce, the analyst summit, seems to be postponed and may or may not occur. I think they're going to do a little bit of online, but it's just more of a – discussion online. I, they're not even pretending there's going to be a thing. 
I'm not sure. I mean, if I had to pick a company without, without, let's say, um, consideration as to whether or not they're actually canceling and who could probably pull it, let's say, who has the tools to pull it off, but historically hasn't really proven the, the means, I'd probably pick Microsoft because they have the, all the tools they need they, and, you know, to do every, and think about it. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is they have two sets. They have, the, they have all the video tools they could ever want on the personal side, so to speak. They have the, um, on the um, communication side, they have teams, which are already giving away pretty much. And, you know, they, I mean, they could, if they could build, they could build a, they could literally cobble together a platform that technically could support a wide range of creative efforts uh, to, to, to amplify the interaction. My only question for them is, do they have the, uh, do they have the, uh, let's call it the foresight, the vision to do it? Uh, I don't know. That I don't know. I'd say that they have the biggest capability, but not necessarily the vision necessary to do it in the way it needs to be done. Although with them, I never rule out anything because they are both a constant surprise and a constant um, and a constant success more often than not. I mean, you know, they're, they're their downside, let's just say. But, you know, generally, um, they're the ones I would, if I had to pick one, I, I don't see it. I I mean, Adobe, of course I do see it, but they're, they're operating at such a short window here that I'm not sure they're going to be able to pull it off in time. And that's actually my biggest concern. Adobe is always the actually the most creative one, but I'm not sure beyond that. I don't know. I mean, what about you guys? Who do you think? Brian, I I agree with you on. Uh, I've <clears throat> I've had chance to speak at Summit, but also some of their uh, smaller smaller events. And boy, do they they know how to bring together uh, the right people in a great like, visual experience. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. Uh, so there's I, I guess there's a lot of expectation that 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 talent and, and that capability would sort of translate uh, on the, on the, in the virtual world. But at the same time, I don't care when we talk about things like AI and, and machine learning and how this sort of this sets the stage for like new, new skills that are needed within the enterprise. Uh, I kind of see the same thing here. I've talked to Adobe in general uh, in, in some of the, the collaboration that we've done around ideation for stuff to create. And, one of them was sort of exploring the role of an experience designer for new experiences. And if, if there isn't anyone to sort of explore what's possible, like if you're coming at this from a traditional events production uh, standpoint, you're going to bring that mindset to this new dynamic, right? I think, what was that? Steve Jobs once uh, when he brought the iPhone team together and asked for a list of recommendations for you know, top talent to work on the team, he immediately said, and I don't want anybody who's ever worked in, in the phone industry before uh, because we're creating something new. Uh, so it's sort of like that need uh, I see as, as an opportunity. Who's going to do that? I don't know. I, 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 I wrote down that I want to check something out after this, that when Salesforce suddenly canceled uh, the live portion of, I think it was our Australian tour, uh, I saw pictures of, I didn't get a chance to watch the event of, I think shared by Charlie Isaacs and Tiffany Boba behind the scenes of sort of creating what looked like um, 
like in front of a green screen and it almost looked like a Disney production of like dancers and uh, they were showing a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. So I, it looked like they were trying to create sort of like a Broadway production uh, for, for the small screen, so to speak. And so that would look really intriguing. So there's probably something like that uh, combined with this sort of like digital experience designer that I see uh, that anyone could start thinking differently about it. If you watch this, I'll share with us. Uh, what you're doing differently or, or share with us questions because I think I, at the end of the day, everybody wants to see you succeed, especially if this is going to become uh, a new norm in the future. Brent, what do you think? I'm thinking that if you are trying to hold on to these dates that you initially had for your live event, just because that was when your live event was going to be, and you don't do any of the things that we talked about and still try to put that thing. Don't do it. I mean, what's the point? You know, it's that was meant for a live event. This is a completely different ball game. So don't screw it up. If you don't, I mean, you don't have to. Don't screw it up. Get it right. Take the time. Get do like uh, Alan said. Look into the people who can help you do an online event the way that it really is meant to be, and not just to retrofit it from a face to face event. Take the time and do it right. I think companies that could, the companies that have the most to gain from something like this are the Zoho's, are the Freshworks, are the Pegas, folks that are kind of not as well known right now, um, but have everything in place that if they were able to pull this thing off, it raises their profile to a, to a, a much higher degree. So I think... You know, and we have friends at all those places. I'm saying it respectfully. Don't just put on an event just because you had dates set up for your physical event. To your actually, to your point on the smaller companies or the less known companies, rather, there is one wild card who I actually think could pull it off. Oh, I know. Can I guess who it is? Yeah, Creatio. You got it. That's I knew you were going to go right. You're exactly right. <laughs> Creatio. They. They. You know, it's funny how people, because, you know, their themes has tended to be process and low-code, no-code, but their level of actual creative action is phenomenal. And it shows in the live events they do, it really shows, obviously. I mean, think about it. You born in Kiev, go back to, uh, move to Boston, you go back to Kiev to hold an event and 5,000 people attend. You go to St. Petersburg a day later, 3,500. Every event they hold in the United States is around 800 to 1,500 to 2,000. You know, you go to Indonesia, where I was last year, the room only held 650. They had 2,400 registrants in Indonesia, for God's sake, right? So, and the other thing they do is just a level of actually creative thinking. They, 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 every year, for example, they used to put out a, like, Christmas video, you know, a holidays video. That was hilarious. One time it had the whole management team just up and dancing. Right. I mean, literally the whole thing. Right. It was absolutely hysterical this year. Just I mean, last year when they changed their name from BPO online to Creatio, their announcement, arguably the most creative and most frightening thing. I like they're like, you know, to me, they're like my children to some degree. So they freaked me out totally with this. They had one hundred and sixty five employees of the company jump out of airplanes to announce Creatio's new name. And it was not a virtual event. They literally jumped out of airplane, <laughs> including Catherine Kostareva, who was the CEO, right? AKA Katerina, 
right? Um, that's what I'm saying. These And these guys, they get what they truly get is interaction. And the reason I say that, you could see how they could do it uh, online but as well by two things. One, at every live event I've ever attended, and that's a lot, um, there's always local, local, like, morning show type celebrities. When I say that, for example, in Miami, uh, the one I was at last year, they had a guy who was an expert, uh, like a local celebrity in working out and fitness come on. I mean, people who don't have any obvious relationship, but you remember they also had, uh, uh, what was her name? The car, the world's fastest woman, Jetter. Carmelita Jetter. Carmelita Jetter. They had Carmelita Jetter because their, their theme is Accelerate. So they brought her in and she was really good, right? And so, but there's always something, even though it's peripherally or directly to themes, there's always something they do. They, they hold competitions in the middle of their day that, to show how uh, effective their studio is. You know, what, what do they do? Before lunch, they assign people from the audience, a couple of people from the audience volunteer to build apps by the end of lunch. And they do every time. Not only that, just to give you an example, uh, I'll show you how creative they actually are. So I've, you know, I've known them like you since, um, since day one, CRM Idol, the very first one in 2011. So, but every, you know, I've been close to them ever since. And every year they send me this insanely creative birthday present every year, something like this year's was actually, I that's not what I'm showing you, but this year they sent me a bottle of Johnny Walker blue, but with an embedded, picture of me that they got from somewhere. <laughs> this was the best though. This came about three years ago. I don't know how well you're going to be able to see this, but this is a Paul Greenberg bobblehead. Look at that. That's what they sent me. See, the only thing wrong with that is, is you should have been in Yankee pinstripes and with like the number, uh, what's Mickey Mantle's number seven? Seven. Yeah, that would have been the only thing better. Or 56 would have been good, too. No, seven. <laughs> no, I mean, 56 no, no, would have been good. No, seven. No, seven. <laughs> seven. Forget 56. <laughs> seven. But that's every year I would get something like this. Calendar. Ten, I have a, a poster they sent me that's not going to show you, but let's call it very flattering. Uh, but, um, but that's what I mean. But that, what it really says, and we're really getting to about this, is the level of creativity that they think at. Yeah. And they're brilliant, actually, at that level. And it shows, and look, I would do a webinar. Remember your insanely large webinars you would do with HubSpot? Right? Back in the day, Brent, when you'd have, like, remember one time, I think, what is it? You had, like, uh, 3,300 people wow. registered. Registered in, like, yeah, this is like 2009. Yeah, but it was like, like an insane number of people. Well, yeah. theirs are not quite at that scale, but, like, if I do a webinar with another company, might have, and I'm being arbitrary, five, 600 registered and 100 or so, 150 on it. With them, we'd have 1,500 registered and 900 on it, right? I mean, they just wow. get, they get, they are so good. And I think the thing with them is they're willing to put the time, effort, and money into being creative, as or as you would say, Brian, to ideate. Uh, <laughs> right, so that's, they're my. They're the company that I think. If I had to pick a company out there to pull this off in the right way, it would be them. And right now, they're still their conferences are not canceled, uh, but because there's one in May, as we know, and 
you know, I was, as, as far as it goes, I'm still intending to go. Um, but I, you, you're, you're, I see, you know, you not only know me, you know them and you know that they, they could pull this off. All I know is Catherine will never go to dinner with me again because the last time that uh, we went to dinner, election night, 2016. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Wow. And we sat there in disbelief at some I like, you both stopped eating and began drinking heavily. Let <laughs> <laughs> needless to say, we haven't talked much after that. So <laughs> I think I she blames me for <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, but you're right. No, I totally I mean all I'm saying is this, folks. If you had if you had a face to face event and you had to cancel it, just don't rush into doing an online event if you don't know what you're doing. That's that's all I'm saying because it's it's not going to work out well for you. Look, I mean, it's as little as you know, as frightening as all this is for all of us. The reality is, it's creating an opportunity for people to do something really interesting and new and productive and and as you know, you said, Brian, something that could become a new normal and and. Yeah. If you're going to do that, you really need to take the time to do it right. You don't just do it to do it. You do it to make and do it right. Yes. What's that Monty <laughs> Python song? Uh, always look on the bright side of That's life. That's right. That's right. I like I like Brian's work. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give that a hashtag and a few S's at the end. <laughs> yes. And as we were speaking, I did get an email notification for uh, uh, the... Oracle MBX, uh, I guess the online event on March 24th for, I don't know if that's for, uh, is that for just the analysts or anyway, it's, but it's an online thing. And then we also got to save the day for Oracle open world. Did you get yeah, that? Oh, yes, that one? I just got it. <laughs> Look at that right now. Maybe Kim is out there. Watch. Right. <laughs> oh, well, actually Maybe. I'm looking at the attendees for the virtual AR summit. Yeah, and it's uh, all of us are all of us here are on that on the list. So it's going to be catered to us. That's great. That's right. That's <laughs> a beautiful thing. See, they're doing it right. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> they're doing it right. All right. Well, so any last words on? I mean, you know, we start. It's, it is a it's a it's a serious subject. We we you know infuse some fun into it. But any last thoughts from either of you guys on this? Nope, not a bit. I'm out of thoughts. <laughs> well, I, I would love to just hear from folks, you know, and if if uh, if anyone has questions about uh, ideas, I it would be fun to brainstorm on this stuff together. It'd be fun to see if we can all in our own in our own way uh, sort of create that next thing, because it, it, historically and I think, Paul, you probably know better than 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 any of us at this moment. It's a this a, a new thing spreads. Well, they, they tend to say in election years, but every two to four years, there's something new. So I, I really do think that this is something we're going to have to start thinking about in the longer term. I don't think they're going to get any uh, any any less uh, sort of contagious is probably the wrong word. But uh, I, I think they're only going to get more interesting as time goes on. Let me throw some some. So we actually do have a number of comments and things and, and all over the board here. Uh, Alan says in-person events don't know how to get engagement. Virtual conferences have a long way just to get to the starting line. I, you know, I, there's a lot of truth to that one. I think, yeah. uh, 
Why is a why is customer engagement just two days for a conference? It's about year-round engagement. There's a word for it on the tip of my tongue. Oh yeah, community. That's uh, that's another one from Alan. And then uh, Jesus Hoyos, our buddy, he's got a couple of things here. Let me see. Trust brings critical thinking. Totally agree with that. What happens when we all have 5G? Remote work will be the rule. No. Some some. I I suggest you just kind of look because there's a there's a lot of different things out there. Freshworks refresh twenty is October. We okay by then? I hope so. What do you think? No, I mean I, I'll say this: we'll know more, and the likelihood of travel and conferences of continuing is greater probably, but. I mean, we're not going to have a vaccine. I can tell you that. But you know, that's a year much, away, isn't it? Yeah, that's what they're saying. A year, year and a half to get a, even a reasonable uh, first proximity. You know, because got to be tested. So I said the hug and the vaccine have to be human tested, right? I mean, so, that does that does pose a big question because yeah. we got two of the bigger events of the industry with open world. Was that like fifty or sixty thousand? And then we all know what's going on with Dreamforce. That's right. triple that. Yeah. It's hard to say. I mean, you know, basically, to the credit of all the companies, you know, they're all basically saying health first, you know, so, and that's got to be the prevailing attitude as far as it goes, health first, you know, it's, you know, you wonder why some companies aren't canceling at this point, given that these are events that are very close to now when we don't know enough and more likely to cancel. So... You know, anyway. Brian? I, just, I was just thinking, good. Uh, all I can say is just stay safe, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Wash yeah. your hands. Uh, and uh, hey, guys, one thing I, I, I just read about earlier today, uh, is in, in addition to the, the new hug that you're uh, introducing, is I'd never heard of it before, but it's called the cruise bump. And I guess since. That doesn't uh, sound good, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what, what uh, am I here for? I got the so, yeah. It sounds like a symptom, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the uh, well, I guess cruise ships have, have been uh, petri dishes for a long time, uh, yep. and I guess uh, they they came up with this. You do a one knuckle, um, one knuckle fist bump, uh, and uh -huh. <laughs> did you guys did you guys ever watch? Uh, you know, I'm guessing this is going to be a big fat no, but did you ever watch? <laughs> In the 90s, uh, Martin, Martin Lawrence had this show called Martin. Yeah, yeah I did. Okay. I, you know, I don't know. So there was a guy on there uh, called Brumman. And Brumman was famous for doing this as a way of saying hello, goodbye. That's all he did. He never, he didn't say it. <laughs> so here, I, here it is. I'm bringing it back. When I see you guys in, in the flesh, just get ready for <laughs> or maybe uh <laughs> wow, combining the best of well three decades <laughs> yeah that was 60s 70s i was kind of in the early 90s what do you 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 got this new oh, modified no, mine, mine's a whole other, i mine's, <laughs> i told you i'm not lab tested yet so i got i got to do the lab testing so anyone who wants to come over to help me please do but i think 
We probably said enough about all this. <laughs> all right. Well, with that in mind, I'm Brent Leary. I'm Paul Greenberg. I'm Brian Solis. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later.